by way of uh, laughter, uh, the youth department is having a fundraiser. It's called Unassembled Snowmen for Sale. And uh, I thought that was pretty good. I've lived here 56 years, and I never thought of that. Hey, that's an unassembled snowman out there. I asked Daniel to shovel the drive, but he said, you know what, Dad? I can't find an app for that. So that didn't bless me too much. Any athletes in the house? You're an athlete. Okay. If at first you don't succeed, then skydiving is not for you. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Skydiving if at first you don't succeed. And then my wife wants me to be an athlete, so I've entered an Ironman competition. And I'll be, uh, I'll be, I'll be working there, so... I call Abbott Loop Church. It's their 60th anniversary this weekend. So if you see anybody that goes to Unite Church, congratulate them on turning 60. And I, I'm going to buy them a walker. But anyways, uh, they're a great church. They have a, they're, they're doing great over there. And why am I telling you this story? I don't remember. <laughs> Abbott Loop, birthday. Pardon? Oh, I'm 60. Yeah, I'm turning 60. Can't remember what I'm saying. Anyways, when you see an Abbott Loop person, encourage them, bless them, uh, trust with them for another 60 years. Uh, that'd be fantastic. And we look forward to seeing the churches in our city. We do well together. So when any one something in a city does well, all the other somethings do well with it. And so uh, that's just the way it rolls. And so uh, we look forward to doing well together. Excel in the grace of giving hope. So that's what our, our topic is today. We want you to uh, get hope. We want you to be uh, energized in hope and motivated. So let's pray. Lord, as we study the Bible today, we ask for hope. We ask that you would infuse the room with hope. Let there be a palpable energy of the presence of God for hope. May anybody that is uh, uh, not solidly anchored in your hope, find your anchor today and be anchored in the hope of Christ Jesus. Help us to hear well, listen well, and speak well. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. To excel in this grace of giving, I picked four. The biggest one is life. We want you to excel in giving life. We want you to excel in giving faith, hope, and love. Those are from 1 Corinthians 13, and now abideth faith, hope, and love, or now uh, remains. So basically, when temporary things go away, permanent things will still be there. And the three permanent things Paul highlights are faith, hope, and love. And we've talked about Excel and giving life, that everywhere you go, people have just a little bit more life, a little bit more stamina, a little bit more uh, gumption, my dad would say, a little bit more uh, fascination and uh, inspiration to live. So we give life. Uh, we give faith. We help build people's faith. Today, I want you to think about the giving of hope. I want you to think about the idea of, of God stepping into your situation and giving you a glorious anticipation of what is to come. Amen. For Romans will be our topic today. Romans 1.16 lays out the theme of Romans. And I will try to build a case for you and then resolve the case at the end of my talk. So Paul lays out his case in Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So Paul has got a problem going on in Rome that he's trying to fix. 
he's got this deal going on, and, and that is that some people think the other guy can't be saved. And that guy thinks the other guy can't be saved. I read a poem years ago that you were in heaven, and you were really shocked. I can't believe you made it. I can't believe you're here. I can't believe you're here. Only to find out that they were all surprised you were there. And uh, so that's going on in this Rome uh, uh, situation, the church in Rome. Uh, the Jews don't think the Gentiles can be saved. And the Gentiles aren't really sure they want to be saved, and they're not sure what saved really means. So Paul steps in, and he says, you know what? The power of God for salvation is for everyone who believes. So Paul is trying to take the Jews, taking the Gentiles, and he's saying, you know what? Both of y'all are wrong. Whoever believes can be saved. Now, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed, it doesn't mean he's shy. It doesn't mean he's afraid to tell somebody about the gospel. What he means by, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, is that the gospel of Christ works for everyone. So I'm not ashamed to tell you because it's going to work for you. Amen. Amen. That's really good. You say, you know, I, I am messed up. I am one messed up human being. I can say on the authority of God's word, the gospel will work for you. I am not ashamed to tell you Jesus saves. No matter how messed up you have been, Jesus saves because it's the power of God to salvation. It's not the power of AA. It's not the power of Celebrate Recovery. It's not the power of a weekend service. It's not the power of Freud and Roger and Young. It's not... It's the power of God to salvation, and it works. Amen. So Paul's saying, all right, guys, we got to get this figured out. The gospel of salvation is for everyone who believes. So wherever you bump into uh, today in your travels and doing your life, you're going to bump into somebody that possibly believes they're beyond the reach of grace. And you have the joy of knowing out of Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed to tell you, friend, the power of God will change your life. Uh, therefore, if any person is in Christ, she or she is a new creation. I'm not ashamed of that, Paul says. It is the power of God. But it's for everybody. Now, he said it did come first to the Jews, which is true. Jesus was Jewish, and Jesus was born, and the gospel first came to the Jews. But first doesn't mean only. And so Paul says, it, this salvation is for the Jews and for the Greeks. It's for everyone who believes. Now, the problem is they didn't like each other. They really distasted one the other. They, they were least likely to coexist. Uh, the two people groups of the day least likely to coexist were Jews and everybody else. And so uh, I was on a plane, actually, and uh, flying to Israel, and a Jewish guy was in the middle seat. And he turned obnoxious because the lady in the window seat, he would not sit by a woman. And he just became ridiculously obnoxious. I will not sit by a woman. He started to cough. <coughs> I have an allergy to her perfume. No, he wanted my aisle seat because he didn't want to sit by a woman. And uh, the, those guys can just be obnoxious. And so can the Gentiles. Are you, you are both, any Jews in the house? Okay, all you Gentiles can be obnoxious too. And so uh, Paul's trying to figure out, we're supposed to be this loving body of Christ, but I got these groups that can't even get along. And, and they were the least likely to coexist, Jews and Gentiles. Well, first of all, there was deep distrust. There was deep distrust one of the other. 
they didn't, they didn't trust each other. And, and this is a 2,000 year deal, almost exactly from Paul to Abraham, or the other way around, from Abraham to Paul, was almost exactly 2,000 years. And for 2,000 years, these guys have not trusted each other. They've raided each other's camps. They've killed each other. They've had terrorism between each other. Uh, they fought, and, and, and the Israel has been taken to Babylon, and Babylon's been defeated by Israel and Syria. And, you know, it just goes on and on. There's this deep distrust. Now, when I'm talking in this moment, I hope that you understand, I'm talking about Jews and Gentiles in Rome. I'm talking about you and anybody different from you in Anchorage. I'm trying to bring it home to this roost, all right, to bring it home into this particular room, distrust. We have a little dog, it's a Yorkie, and uh, when Copper was a puppy, just a, a really little puppy, a little child dropped Copper, and it hurt Copper significantly. I don't know what happened, but it really hurt Copper. I think Copper's now seven years old or so. Uh, I, I don't keep track of dogs' ages, but anyways, our dog's not, not a newborn. And to this day, Copper doesn't trust a child. One event in our dog's life added a lifetime distrust. Up here in the balcony, we have, uh, I don't know if Elijah's there, but we have Benaya. Our dog doesn't trust our grandkids, even though it's been seven years, and even though it only happened one time. That's a dog. What do you do with humans for 2,000 years that have been killing each other? Today, it, it, it is true that many Arabic people or many Muslims would kill every Jew on the planet if they could. Today, they'd do it. It's, it's a common tactic. You, by the way, do you know there are more Christians in Iran than there are uh, radical Muslims in power? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. But the fact is, Paul's got this going on, this deep distrust. And so, you know, one thing that happens in a multi-service church, it's, it's sad, but it's kind of funny when you're on the platform, is that if you distrust somebody in this service, you just go to another one. <laughs> you know, you don't have to work on it. You don't, have to, you don't have to deal with it. You can kind of pretend it isn't there. And Paul's here to say, as we make our way through, this is not what he had in mind when God created the church. We have, to, we have to somehow just be willing to say there's a deep distrust. Secondly, there was a significant ethnocentrism. That's a big word, and I was going to not use it, but I think we need to know it. Ethnocentrism is the concept that your ethnic group is the center. Your, what you're used to is the center. So uh, my wife says this to me, and we argue all the time, because her ethnic food of her Oklahoma family is not the same ethnic food of my New Mexico family. So what do you all eat on Christmas Eve? What do you eat on Christmas Eve, Moy? Turkey tail. Turkey tail. Uh, uh, Mao, what do you eat on, on, on Christmas Eve? Turkey tail. Turkey tail. We got to get some variety. Yeah. Chuck Mays, what do you eat on uh, Christmas Eve? Whatever's on the table. We eat enchiladas. My wife's like, what? You don't eat enchiladas on Christmas Eve. You eat prime rib. I'm like, I never heard of prime rib on Christmas Eve. Well, my enchiladas are better than your prime rib. No, my, that's called ethnocentrism, right? My ethnic background, my ethnic deal is the center. Yours isn't. 
And that's a fight that would be developed. And, and so ethnocentrism flows in uh, Rome. And the Jews are like, no, the way we do it is the right way. And the Gentiles, the Greeks, and Romans are saying, no, the way we do it is right. And they're all in this thing called the church, and they're filled with this ethnocentrism. I had this in my life, I probably still do. I try to tackle it as often as I can find it. I don't want it in there. But uh, I grew up loving the United States. Anybody love the USAI? Well, I thought that meant I had to hate Russia. So I grew up kind of like hating Russia. It's like, commies. You know, I had all these like really bad attitudes. And, uh, and the best day of my life was in uh, the Olympics when the U.S. beat Russia in hockey. Anybody remember that? You over there, the colleges, you weren't even born yet. But anyways, it was a big deal because Russia brought their professional hockey players. We could only let our college players go. It was in Lake Placid, New York. And uh, we were all watching, like the whole nation was watching the gold medal game. And we had zero chance to win. And uh, Dave Michaels was one of our young adults. He was the Olympic biathlete that year. He, ran, he uh, biathleted in the Olympics, skied and shot, and he was at the game. Our hands hurt for days after clapping so hard. It's like, yeah, beat Russia, beat him. So I'm at Bible college, and I say to Dr. Pakoda, I said, man, this is my favorite class, Doc. I love, I love systematic theology with you, Doc Pakoda. And by the way, Pakoda's a weird name. I go, what is that? He goes, oh, it's Russian. <laughs> I'm like, I think I have some ethnocentrism going on in my heart <laughs> because, in fact, uh, I believe that one system is better than the other, and that means you don't like the other, only to find out that there are good people in pretty much every system. See what I'm saying? Ethnocentrism. It's pride. The third thing they had going on was historical animosity. For nearly 2,000 years of misunderstandings, hatred, and violence. So there they are, and, and Paul's saying, you know what? He's the gospel. He's great. He's the Savior. He is uh, the foundation. You put your belief in him, you're going to have faith. You put your belief in him, you're going to have a solid foundation. And, and so they do, but now they got these two divisions in the house. So Paul's writing to Romans to say, hold it. This gospel that I'm not ashamed of, it's for all of y'all, no matter how different you really are. So our text today is verses 1 through 7 of Romans 15. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. I want to stop there because this series could have been called Up. All of my texts in this series have a verse in it that says something about building each other up. We hope today that whatever happens, you don't go out down. We hope that you don't go out discouraged, hopeless, lifeless, timid, tepid. We want you to go out up. Why? Because when we come together, Paul says, uh, Jews and Gentiles, when we come together, we're not supposed to fight over whether it's matzah bread or bread with yeast in it. When we come together, we're to edify and build each other up, he says. And so that's Paul's point. Let each of us please his neighbor for his own good to build him up. For Christ didn't please himself, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. 
the grace of giving hope. Through the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. That together you may live with one voice. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. It's all about one, two, in your life group, you're going to take a look at the fact that in, the, in verse 4, you have 1, 2, and 3. Then you have 5, 6, and 7. In verse number 4, you have the hinge. And that hinge is the hinge of hope. And in your own life, you are going to find the door of your life rotating on just a couple of things. You won't, your life won't rotate on, on all kinds of stuff. But your life will rotate on the hinge of God's hope. That he has for your life. New Testament hope is patient. Disciplined. A confident waiting. And an expectation of the Lord as Savior. It's a patient, disciplined, confident waiting. But we're not waiting for nothing. We are waiting in the expectation of the bright future that God already has Prepared for us. In the parade magazine, a self-made millionaire man named Eugene Land uh, was going to speak to 59 sixth graders in Harlem. 59 sixth graders in Harlem. What could he say to inspire these kids, most of them who would drop out of school? Sixth graders, 59 of them, who are just classically, they all drop out of school in this area. How could he get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children to even look at him? He just scrapped his notes. He decided to speak to them from his heart. Stay in school, he admonished, and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. Said one student, I had something to look forward to, something waiting for me. It was a golden feeling. 90% of that class graduated from high school. Hope. Miles, thanks for going to schools and giving people hope. I really appreciate that. Our only NFL guy in our church. He's our bouncer. But uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for giving hope. Right? If getting to know that somebody will pay your college bill motivates you to do your geometry in 6th grade and 7th and 8th and ninth and 10th and 11th, 12th, what happens to somebody like you and me when we know, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself shall be with them as their God. My favorite verse in the Bible. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No death, uh, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. 
He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Well, when you look at that, all of a sudden, if somebody paying your college bill gets you motivated to finish high school, what does it happen when somebody paid for that for your eternal life? Your hope is not based on something small. It's based on the truth of who God is. And your feet are to be anchored solidly to the truth of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm anchored. It's not a possibility. It's not a likelihood. It's a done deal. It said in the text, it is done. By who? I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And when I say it's done, it's done. He did it. It's done. It's your future. And you have hope because of it. Hallelujah. We demonstrate by being steadfast in that. So this salvation is guaranteed to those who believe. It is an unfailing power of God to all who believe. Now here's the deal back to Rome. They were saying this, I'm Jew and I'm saved. I'm Gentile, I'm saved. But we got issues with each other. Will you turn to somebody and say, you got issues? (laughs) You got issues? Check out this husband and wife. This cracked me up. He said, I have 99 problems. Her her shirt says, not one of them. (laughs) And uh, I I, I listen to sermons all the time about my text. And the one that caught my attention this week was a youth pastor. So I don't even know where he lives. But he was preaching about something similar. And he said, y'all got junk in the trunk. (laughs) And uh, uh, the Jews, they had some junk in the trunk. And the Gentiles, they got some junk in the trunk because of the years of distrust, because of the years of animosity. Because of the years of ethnocentrism, there is some some deep things. And so Paul says, you come together, you have the hope of what we just read as a Jew, you have the hope of what you just read as a Gentile, but when you come together, you aren't building each other up, you're fighting over Jew and Gentile stuff. So he steps in in Romans uh, chapter 15 and said, this is not the way we want it to be. We want it when you come together to the Jew says to the Gentile, I am here to build you up. The Gentile says to the Jew, no, 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 no. I'm here to build you up and that together we become edified. We become an edification to the glory of the Lord as Jews and Gentiles who are together in harmony. He said, here's your way you started in verse number uh, one. He says, you don't come to please yourself, but you please the other. In other words, yeah, uh, I like rare. You like well done. I tell you what, I want it to be, I want, I want it to be your way. Let's do it all rare. Let's just have it rare today. It's, I, I want to honor you. It's, uh, it's no, you, you before me. It's, it's, uh, I didn't come here to, to please me. I'm, I'm in this body to, I'm in this body to help you. I, I'm here to build you up. Here's the most common line pastors hate, okay? Don't say this to pastors. It drives them nuts. 
I'm going to a new church where I get fed. Yeah, we have bottles available for those of you who need to be fed, right? How many of you are an adult? You can handle a fork. Let me see your hand. You can feed yourself. We put it out the buffet. You dig in and you eat it, right? So I'm not here to be, oh, I'm changing churches. Y'all don't build me up. No, I'm not called to have you build me up. I'm called to build you up. You you see what Paul's saying? He's saying, you know what? You bless the other. Not to bless yourself, but to bless the other. He said, Jesus is our example. It says in verse number four, a a quote from Psalm 69, nine. It says, the reproach that fell on God or the reproach that fell on people. We don't know exactly which one, but either way, it's their reproach fell on Jesus. And I think it's more along the lines of my sins, what I think. I think that that my sin is a reproach to any deity. My sin is a reproach to the spotless Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It's a reproach. But guess what? My reproach fell on him, and he didn't say, oh, that's not good for me. I don't want Ken's sin. He said, you know what? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Paul says, Jews and Gentiles, here's what I want you to do. Novel idea. I want you to be like Jesus. And if the reproach of the Gentiles comes on the Jews, I want you to say, that's okay. I'm here. I'll take your reproach because I'm here to build you up. And if the reproach of the Jews comes to the Gentiles, I want the Gentiles to say, that's okay. I don't mind that reproach. I'm in the lineage of Jesus, and I'm delighted to build you up. Praise God. He said, well, there's three things to do in this, in the passage, uh, Romans 15. Three things to building each other up. The first one is endurance. 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 You're going to pick up Matthew 24 in your life group this week. It says in Matthew 24, and he who endures to the end shall be saved. So when we come together today, one of the three things that Paul wants us to do out of Romans 15, he wants you to help somebody sitting near you or somebody across the room from you. He wants you to help them endure. He wants you to be able to say, you know what? I think it's been really a challenge this week, but hang in there. It's going to be a better week. Uh, uh, I, want you to, I want you to be strong in the Lord this week. I, I just want you to know you're not alone in this thing. Uh, I, want, I want to be helpful. Can I drive for you? Can I take you there? You got time for coffee? Paul's saying the first part of the trilogy on building one another up in Romans 15 is the trilogy of endurance. And there comes a point in everybody's life when it takes somebody else to help them endure. There comes a place in everybody's life where you just need somebody to say, come on, let me carry you. Remember the Olympics? I'm in Olympic mode, I guess. I don't remember what year. It was in London. The Olympics were in London and the British sprinter blew his hamstring out and he fell on the track and he couldn't finish the race. And all of a sudden his dad jumps out of the stand and his dad runs down, picks up his son. His son puts his arm and he hops to the finish line like this. And the dad said this. He said, my son didn't train all those years to end laying on the track, we had to finish. Amen. We have to finish, brothers and sisters, and our job to build each other up is to get in there and say, come on, you, we got to endure this thing. We, we got we to gotta hang in there because the race isn't to the swift. The race isn't to the talented. The race is to those who can endure. 
Amen. I can hold on. I can do this. I can endure. And so Paul says to the Jews and the Gentiles, when you come together, just give them strength. Just say, you know what? It must be tough serving Jesus when Judaism thinks Jesus deserved to die on a cross. When, the, when Judaism voted for his death, it must be tough. They, you'll, you'll lose your family. You'll lose everything for following Jesus. But you have that hope. I have that hope. You're a Jew. I'm a Gentile. But let me tell you what. I want you to be able to endure being a Jew in the body of Christ. And he goes, no, 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 no. It must be tough coming out of Greek uh, mythology. It must be tough living in Athens with the big temples to Diana and the, and the whole culture is all about demonic sexual fertility cults. And it must be tough serving Jesus coming out of that. I know I'm dealing with the whole Jewish thing, but you're dealing with a bigger thing. You're dealing with that whole Greek thing. And, and he say, no, no, no. I'll tell you what, let's just be a body of Christ where we help each other endure. Amen. Number two, encouragement from the scripture. He says in verse four, the encouragement of the scripture. There's something good about saying, hang in there, Kent. I appreciate it. Hang in there, Kent. But that's not quite the same thing as go ahead and press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. Because Kent, when your grip on God is weak, don't forget his grip on you is strong and he's got a grip on your life. Paul's saying, when we come together, Jew and Gentile, when we come together, black and white, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, trained and untrained, uh, parents and not parents, uh, grandparents and not grandparents, divorced or remarried, uh, sexual sin in our background, sexual sin not in our background, uh, uh, we say crime in our background, not in our, whatever. When we come together with that same hope, we say, you know what? That's all under the blood of Jesus. Our hope is in the eternal heaven. So right now, now, I got a word from the Bible to encourage you. I got a word from the word to encourage you. Amen. You might want to just write down a bunch of verses to memorize that are in your little encouragement gun. You know what I'm saying? And that's just the way you roll. Uh, pastor Shineman, he trained himself, our founding pastor, he trained himself. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Say it with me. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He trained himself to encourage people with that verse. He had a heart attack, one third of his heart destroyed. He had a second heart attack. The next third of his heart was destroyed. He pastored Muldoon Assembly for seven years with one third of his heart. Anyways, it was that second heart attack that I get called to the hospital to see Pastor Shindeman. I run over to Pastor Shindeman. They give him medicine. His tongue looks like it's that big. He can barely talk. He's laying there. This is tough. When your, your role model, the man of faith and valor, is, is laying uh, weak and dying. That's a tough place to be. I said, hi, Pastor Shindeman. He said, this is the day the Lord has made I'll rejoice and be glad in it. He trained himself to encourage himself with the word. Just, you don't have to throw away all these little sayings. I recommend that you don't really deal with them that much, you know. All these little Facebook sayings, like, you can if you think you can, or, you know, all these little, you know, whatever, all these cute little, they're great. I love them. They're great. But they aren't the word of God. 
And when you take the word of God and you put your feet on that and you say, you know what? This is a word church. When you walk in that door, Jew or Gentile, you walk in that door, Chinese or Korean, Japanese or Melanesian, you walk in that door, black or white, you walk in that door, rich or poor, you walk in that door, we're going to encourage you with the scripture because our calling is to build you up, up, to build you up. Praise God. I'm excited. How are you all doing? Oh, yeah. One more thing he says. Just say welcome. 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 Well, I don't like Jews. Well, Paul said, get over it. Welcome the Jews. Well, I don't like Gentiles. Get over it, Paul says. Welcome the Gentiles. He said, you know, this is a place of people that have the same hope. It's people that, that are anchored in this same belief system. And, and not only are you supposed to welcome, but you're supposed to welcome as Christ welcomed you. So I don't know what you felt like, but I know what I felt like. I walked down an aisle similar to this, and I had the weight of sin on my shoulders. Sorry, video people. I had the weight of the world on my shoulders, and I'd kneel down at an altar like that, coming just as I am, not pretty, not beautiful, not pure, not holy, lost, messed up. And Jesus said, welcome. Welcome. He said, you know, so what you're supposed to do in this thing called church, this thing called Christianity, you see somebody has the same faith as you and you say, welcome. You say, but, but they're, they, they're from Iran. Welcome. Oh, they're from Afghanistan. Welcome. Oh, they're from uh, Nigeria. Welcome. They're from Russia. Welcome. They're from the other side of town where you have to have a million dollars to just uh, buy your house. Welcome. Oh, they're from the other side of town where they don't even have a house. They're homeless. Welcome. What is the body of Christ to be for people who have the same faith? We're to be the most welcoming community on the planet. Welcome. Welcome. Well, they don't look like I want them to look. No, 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 that's not in the Bible. Welcome. They're a different this, that, or the other than what I prefer. Doesn't matter. Welcome. Welcome. Doesn't welcome sin. Don't welcome heresy. Don't welcome all the wrong stuff. He said, welcome people who have the like faith. And when you welcome people, then you can have your faith built up together. You know, I took a class in listening, and uh, my wife sent me. <laughs> as a joke, but anyways, uh, my master's degree had a class in listening. This is a joke. Uh, any of you have those HomePods or Alexa, those little devices that you talk to and they, they do your stuff for you? So like, and uh, I have one in my office and I said to Judah something like, uh, we should play racquetball sometime. On my computer, bing, a racquetball commercial comes on my computer. It's like listening to everything. You know what I'm talking about? Listening to everything. But a male version's coming out. It doesn't listen to anybody. So uh, you can get that one if you want. So I take this listening class, and the hardest part of listening is suspending judgment. I'm so bad at that. I'm trying to get better. But as soon as you say, as soon as Danae says, Dad, I can tell if Dad means buy me lunch. Or I can say, Dad, I need, uh, I need, uh, I can tell the tone of voice. And I'm already all the way through the whole conversation. And it hasn't even started yet because I didn't suspend judgment. 
And so somebody walks in and you don't suspend judgment. You already know, man, you are a criminal and come to find out they're just as godly as you are more. But you didn't know how to suspend judgment in the welcome. And so you, tr- you begin to train yourself, Lord, help me to suspend judgment. People will say, uh, are you the pastor here? That usually means I need a bus pass. <laughs> right? Uh, oh, are you the last one here means I need a ride home. Right? But not always. And so you ask God to help you in this process. Help me to be able to suspend judgment. Anybody remember uh, Linfield Crowder, the old evangelist? Some of you are, are so new in our church, you don't know him. He was 80 years old, conservative evangelist. He came here every year, at least once, sometimes twice, three times a year. He was a regular at Maldon Community Assembly, as conservative a man as you can be. He's on the plane, and a girl comes down the aisle with a, a crop top, her belly's showing, she's got a belly ring, and she's got a ring in her tongue, and tattoos everywhere. And he's like, oh, Lord, she sat in the middle seat next to him. He goes, Kanta, I don't know what to do. I'm just wanting to be conversational. I thought, what should I say to her? I said, is it awkward kissing your boyfriend with that ring in your tongue? She said, I don't know. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I don't kiss my boyfriend. Suspend judgment. Say it with me. Welcome. Welcome. That feels good again. Welcome. Welcome. And then he ends with this. He said, oh, by the way, you don't need to just endure and you don't need to just encourage all in your own strength. And now may the God of endurance and the God of encouragement give you hope. I'm up here trying my best on this sermon, but guess what? It's nothing unless the God of encouragement and the God of endurance sets down in your heart today and touches you with incredible power. He is present among us, and his work together is to build you up in your most holy faith. I want to close with a verse that I don't have in your notes. It is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. I was born into it. You're born into it. You don't think it. You don't create it. You don't dream it. You don't visualize it. You don't wish for it. You're born into it. Amen. You're born into it. And today, in this moment, if you're saying, I don't know exactly what it is you're saying, but I feel that I kind of want that hope, I encourage you to do something like this. Jesus, will you birth me into that hope? Of course, you're already born. That's why it says born again. You are born again. Not, you're kind of spiritually born. You're sort of born on the, on the inside, born at the spirit level. And today, in this closing moment, you can move from not having the foundation of this hope to having this hope as your foundation, firm and secure for your soul. So a guy lost hope. 
His name I don't have written down. He was a student at the University of Tennessee. He lost hope and he drove his car into the Wolf River Harbor off a cliff into the river, the harbor. A lady nearby, her last name is Phillips, said she saw the man climb on top of the sinking car. His face was like, I'm so desperate, please help me. She said all I could do was run into the water. She said she swam toward the man who was about 20 feet off the bank and she got a tree branch and put it out there and tried to pull him back to the bank and her husband dragged him out of the water and he kept telling us, I'm not worth anything, I'm not worth anything, I'm not worth anything. And then he said, "Uh, what's your name? She said, my name is Hope. He said, no, what's your name? She said, my name is Hope. He asked three times, what is your name? She said, isn't it neat that God sent a girl named Hope to a man who drove off of a cliff to give him hope? I ask you to leave today with a new name. My name is Kent Dale Hope Redfern. And I pray that everywhere you go, you build people's All in favor, say aye. aye. Okay. Now we can all go in our cars and pretend like we didn't know that we needed to encourage or uh, endure together. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you one story? I'm out of time. I got five minutes till I'm supposed to have this service wrapped up. I love Soren Kierkegaard. Anybody like Kierkegaard? Okay. Soren Kierkegaard is one of my favorites. He's a Danish theologian, and he, he was the master storyteller. He goes, one day the ducks all waddled into their duck church. And the duck pastor came out and he opened his duck Bible. And he preached his duck sermon. We ducks can fly. And the congregation shouted back, we ducks can fly. And they sang a duck hymn. And then they all waddled home. Mm -hmm. Don't be waddling home. Your new name is Hope. You help people endure. You help people encourage. You help people feel welcome. All right? Get the bread and the cup of communion. Find somebody and say, I want to encourage you and help you endure. Take communion together. The service is over and the party has now begun. Endure, encourage, welcome. God bless. There you go. I give myself away. Give myself away